0: The sharp bee has such teeth there and
1: shows it away
2: just a so welcome everybody to our third episode of Macklin's take this week, and we're going to put this one straight up on iTunes and on YouTube, so we're coming at you from from two angles, a kind of pincer movement audio and visual and video this week you know that's that's the brave new world of Macklin's take. These days, this one won't be quite as long as normal because we're just looking for a kind of a feel for the card, really, a couple of days out. It'll be Friday morning by the time this one is is available. We're recording on Thursday evening and we thought having talked to Adam Booth on uh, Tuesday's podcast and Fabio Wardley's uh, on Thursday, that this would be a good opportunity to get into the bones of the card and look at the look at the fight's, in detail. Uh, and joining us for this one is a man who fearlessly led the media cohort over to Gibraltar uh, earlier in the week. It's new ground, really. I don't know anybody who's been over to Gibraltar to, uh, to cover boxing before, but right at the... Right in the vanguard of that of that noble cohort uh, was a man who knows no fear. Uh, even though he has picked up a, a touch of, of sunburn over the last day or so, I have no sympathy because uh, he's enjoying some good weather and himself. And Macklin are not. As we speak to him now, he is safely moored uh, on what looks like a pretty luxurious boat. I have to say, in the in the marina uh, in uh, in Gibraltar, it's uh, it's making me rather. Rather jealous as I sit sit in my study in in Forest Gate, deepest East London. It is, of course, the behemoth of boxing broadcasting, otherwise known as Barry Jones. Barry, I, I was going to ask you how you are, but 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 you, but you look well. You're in uh, you're in august surroundings. I'm having a, I'm having a
3: great time. Hang on, sorry. Yeah, just leave the caveat on the side. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's it's great. It's fantastic. I'm the time of my life. <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah. It's it's pretty special. I didn't have I didn't really have big expectations for Trabalta. I don't know why, but it's beautiful. It really is. And, and the and the boats, the dinghy we're on, which is probably a, is no way no way would you describe it that way. It's huge and it's it's just it's it's pure luxury. It really is. And, and we obviously we've been around today because obviously it's still in the bubble, still gonna stay on the boat at all times. Which is a pity because you know you got nowhere to go. There's only seven decks, so it's uh, a bit boring, really.
2: Yeah, my heart, my heart bleeds. Um, so, so what have you been up to the last the last couple of days? And what was it? Workouts last night, press conferences today. What 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 have you? What what? Yeah, so, got? what have, what have you seen?
3: Well, they got the workouts on. They got a little mini ring on on the, on the top deck. Um, and so they have a few little workouts there. We did some interviews with some of the guys. They all mostly relax. And again, because of the atmosphere and because of the sun, and everyone is just looks really confident. I know sometimes you get some kids who, even like Chris Congo, who who's not the the most outspoken or or, or you know, oh, he's full of he's full of beans. You know, he really is. And it just, it's it, yeah. I just think the sun and the and the, and, the, and just the setting of it all has made everyone really confident. So it's been good to see. And today that the. The press conference today was um, at the Botanical Gardens, which was phenomenal. So you go halfway up and slightly up a mountain, not quite, but on the way up towards it. And then it was just a fantastic setting. It's beautiful. just really is. And so the boxing's going to get away with my holiday. That's weird. At the minute,
2: <laughs> that 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 can be the way. So, so basically, the you started off that you you all met, didn't you, at the at the Hilton um by the SSC Arena, which is where the bubbles have been for the for the yeah for the home show. So, so the the bubble in 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 the Hilton has been transplanted to the boat in Tribol, Gibraltar. Essentially, is what is what has happened, I guess.
3: Yeah, so that's to do the twenty four hours in the hotel. Why it was really stressful, but. It, you just sat in bed all day doing nothing, but then of uh, you guys, of course, no more. Than I. And then, um, and then, and then we had we caught we a coach to Stansted, we all got on a chartered flights, loads of us, all been tested, of course. And we were all in uh, air, uh, which, uh, yeah, and then uh, it's only a short flight. And so you go off, off Gibraltar, and you're literally uh, actually the runway is literally, it's, it's one of the shortest runways in the world, so it's, it's quite fun to come in. And you have to stop the traffic because part of that runway is the road. Like like we were with the railway line, put down the shut, down the get the barriers. That's what they have here for the mot- for the for the uh, the, the landing strip for the airways so for the aeroplanes. So it was a uh, a little bit weird, and you know because literally, if you don't get it right, you're on you're on you're screwed across the sea. So um, yeah, a little bit surreal. Matt, it's it's and, and pavekin has been so chilled, like crazily chilled just almost like he doesn't really care but but that's just the experience his demeanour and Dillian looks full of beans and full of confidence and so I think we expect both think they can win and rightly so because one did win and one was winning before he got beat but yeah I think it's going to be a, a, a good fight again actually
2: so let's get into the let's get into the card because there there are some other really interesting fights well, on that card. First as well. of all, Andy, I've got to put in. You know,
1: Barry's talking about caviar there. I said, never mind the caviar. You just want to get some armbray air. <laughs> because if you get any oh. more vitamin, if you get any more vitamin D on that head, you'll have sunstroke.
3: <laughs> well, the funny thing, I was saying to the guys earlier, they're going, oh, you know, because I did because it wasn't it was it it's not boiling, it's just warm, you know. And, but you're still you're still out in the sun, and you direct sun, and I mean, I haven't had direct sunlight for ages. It feels like. So, they, so I say, yeah, I don't burn. I don't burn. And I, and you know, usually I don't if I'm half sensible. But I said I do. You know, sometimes I've, I've been to Dubai and places and, and after it, you can stick your finger in your head and leave a big dent. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm not quite like that. And I don't think this is bad. But I, I phoned on, I can be stuck on the boat. I phoned down to reception. Do they sell um, sun cream? And they said no. So I'm like, well, I'm not. Now I have got a little bit of a burnt head. i got to stay in pretty much. So it's yes. I'm having a hard time with it. Like I, I envy you guys. stuff, you know, I you know, at the minute, at the minute, like you know what I mean. I would rather come on, I'd rather come. I'd rather come out a few days later, to be honest, and you know, and, and just cut the back end of it. But there you go. Such is life. I'm an early bird now because you know, I'm a multitasker, as, you, as we all know. Now, so I'm out early doing other jobs and nicking everyone's work.
2: <laughs> right, as I, as I was as I was saying that, let, let's get into the card because it. it it is a really interesting one. The the top of the bill, particularly, we, you know, we saw what happened in, in August at Maskell's with, with that chilling one punch knockout from Povetkin and an incredibly well delivered shot that that somebody of his skill level is, is still very much capable of. I was having a brief exchange on, on WhatsApp with Matt Christie about this earlier today. And I was saying that I didn't think it would necessarily be a classic. I think it's, it's, it's a must win for Dillian White. Uh, we, we talked about this before, Matt, in kind of the same way that it was for Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz. He's just got to get this one over the line. It doesn't really matter how he, how he does it. And, and Matt was kind of agreeing with me. Uh, but he said, but, you know, there's always that feeling in the back of your mind that what happened in August could happen again.
1: I mean, I've, I spoke to a guy earlier and, uh, you know, he follows the boxing quite a lot, a friend of mine, and uh, he was just asking me, you know, the fights this weekend, what do you reckon? I said, no, nah. I said, look, I think I think Dillion will win. I think he's just got to do what he did last time and just maintain it and be consistent and, and just not can't afford any to switch up at all because Povetkin carries genuine one-punch power, which he proved that he's got the power to take him out of one shot. So I said, I don't think he will. Well, you know, of course, you never know. It's heavyweight boxing. And it could happen. But I said, I don't think so. If I was, you know, putting money on it, I'd, I'd put Dillian to, to probably win by stoppage in the late rounds. I think he'll he'll do what he did. He'll just be a bit more patient. And rather than going for it in the mid-rounds, I think he'll just keep it long, keep softening up, stay tight defensively uh, and break him down. I've done a piece on Sky Sports News on Monday, and I spoke with Dillian on like a, you know, satellite feed. And I was cracking the jokes when he was on about the yacht. I said, "Oh, you've gone all of McGregor," <laughs> but he went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> he,
3: didn't
1: like he didn't like the joke at all. So I, I just thought he's very—you know—he's probably a bit hypersensitive. He's very switched on, very focused, and he just doesn't want to. He's not in the mood to be joking. You know what I mean? He's very sort of—you know—tunnel vision.
2: How's he? How's he seem to you, Barry Dillian?
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, he was, he was uh, quite, to be fair, you know, he was, he spoke in the press conference, and, but he's, um, he's ready now, I think, you know, I think he's, uh, he's quite, in many ways, he's quite an honest fellow about his, about his career and about how he fights, he just said, I want to have a fight, and, and I think he, that's why I think the loss might not affect him as much as it would some other people, because he's just, he's, sort of, he's, he's talking as if, and if, if he believes it, then it's a good thing that, I'm in a fight, and I go for it. And if I get caught, I get caught. That's fine. You know that this happens. a good way to see it. If he truly believes it, and I'm hoping that he does, because you know, otherwise, that's a you know, that's a thing to have stuck in your head. You know that because you, you know, you'll replay that over your, over in your head, you now time and time again. And any doubts, Peter, there's something right, or you or, or you no know, that that terrible knockout is still in your head it appears it's the night before the fight when you when you go to bed the night before the fight your brain is is spinning of all different things different things that can happen positive things mainly about how you're going to win and which what you're going to do after you win and how you're going to celebrate but also if you if you things haven't been spot on for you or, or there's, a, there's something hanging over you like that obviously that knockout that could that could surface it might not with him but it's, there's always those, that possibility of that happening but he looks relaxed and he looks like he wants to go but but what well, Matt was saying about how he should approach the fight, which I, I totally agree with, I don't think he's going to do that. I think he should keep it long and, and, and soften him up and go for it. But I think they I think his whole team, just believe that they had him. And they think they let him off the hook. And so I think they're going to go harder and faster, quicker, which might end in a fantastic result. They probably will. But it also brings Prevec in close. And it gives him the opportunity to hit you. I don't. I. I. It, I don't say it's naive, because if it works, it's a, it's a good move. But I just don't see for the life, the life of me why you, someone like him, who's shown you not just you've seen on tape, you've physically felt it, what he can do when he's close. Now, I just now, in, the white sorry, likes to be close. Matt, Matt mentioned before the fight, and has plenty of time before and I've nicked it off him. He blocks and counters with the same hand, and he obviously got. Well, definitely one of the knockdowns maybe two of them with that so he goes Dillian because he likes to do that but not against his side like, you know and, one time you stand up straight you have a punch or whatever once he dips over that front knee once he, he ages down like that he's coming up with something, like, something that can hurt you
0: hey 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 ki- hey, kids. hey. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh,
1: excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture.
0: CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set,
2: go. This is so crazy. There, there is a lot of pressure on Dillian White because that that defeat last August that's <laughs> seen him slip down to number six with the WBC. If he gets the win, then there's talk that he might. Be put in a final eliminator. That's a possibility against Deontay Wilder, who's at one with the WBC. Who knows how something like that could play out? But what we do know is that if he loses again, then what does he do then? I mean, that would be, that would be a, I hesitate to use the word fatal. It sounds a bit overly dramatic. But having come as far as he's come and been as patient as he's been and been as bold and as calculated in the risks that he's taken, If he loses on Saturday, I just don't know what he does. I mean,
1: you never want to be absolute about a loss. I mean, Marco Antonio Barrera got knocked out by Junior Jones years ago. Then he lost on points in the rematch. So two back-to-back losses to the same guy. Yet most of what Barrera achieved in his career was after that. So it's not absolute, but look, it'd be a sickener. You know, it really would be a sickener. And he certainly would be a rebuild job then. You know what I mean? Um, look, I think the worst thing that can happen to someone or the biggest fear that might happen when someone loses, and especially the way he lost that with that knockout, is that they come back, they're gun-shy. Now, I don't think he will be listening to him talk because he seems like, as Barry said, quite a matter-of-fact, honest guy. That he So he's accepted what happened and why it happened. On the other hand, compare that to someone like Deontay Wilder who's blaming it on everything he can possibly think of. That means that guy's in denial about what's happened. And if you're in denial about what happened, how can you improve on it or, or, or compass it? But Dillian, that were not the case with Dillian. He's just like, you know what? I got caught with a great shot. That's it. And he's back to it. That said, I think the fact that the fight's been put back a few times, it will probably be a blessing. they brought in Harold Knight. It's another person in the camp. You have to get to know each other so i actually think that that has probably been a blessing in disguise that it didn't go ahead in november as in, as originally planned but look these are all, all these are all ifs buts, and maybes and and we're predicting and there's, there's answers we don't know until the ball goes but i i think when the closer it's getting now i think the bigger the anticipations building certainly the more excited i'm getting
2: but Barry, like like you said earlier, you know Pervetkin's kind of wandering around like he doesn't have uh, like a, a care in the world, and and by comparison, he kind of doesn't. You know he's towards the end of his career. He's probably achieved what he would like to have achieved if it was all to end after Saturday. He can look back at an enormously successful career. Yes, he would want another world title fight, of course he would. But but there's just so much more pressure on one fighter than the other, and uh, and it's Dillian White.
3: Yeah, I think all the pressure's on him, because everything's built around him. He was the he was a big favourite going into the first and I think rightly so, because Pavekin had, he's still slower than, than he once was. But yeah, I think that, I think I think you're spot on. What done once, why can't he do it again? And he's at the tail end of his career, where he, if he, if it's a bad loss, he retires, you know, being a, a world champion, and he's... Achieved this ambition, as you would have thought. So yeah, it is all on white because again, as, we, as you already uh, already mentioned, he was so close to getting that world title shot. Could have avoided Povetkin, you know. Could have gone another an easier route. But did did the thing that we, that we all admired him for, but it backfired. But you know, and that's hopefully for him and his team, uh, they they made that right on Saturday.
2: Absolutely. So let's let's um let's shift focus to what I would say is the second best fight on the card, which is the vacant British super welterweight title on the line between Ted Cheesman and James Metcalf. And what's very uh, convenient really here is that we've both seen a lot of uh we've all seen plenty of Cheeseman. Me and Matt have been ringside for most of Cheesman's fights, but you've seen a lot of Metcalf Barry too. We've only really seen Metcalf on, on the TV, at least I have anyway. Um, so um it'll be very interesting to hear your, your side of this Th- this is this is a really really good fight. I mean it almost happened a while ago because they were put in a final eliminator against each other. at that point they were both uh, undefeated um and both camps i think rightly decided at that point that it was too big a fight really for a final eliminator that the reward um, of them boxing, just wasn't there at that point, so so that didn't happen. But now there's a vacant British title on the line. Cheeseman's already held it once. He desperately wants to get it back. Metcalf's Commonwealth champion that that's not being contested on Saturday for whatever reason. It's just a great, it's just a great matchup. What what I what I want to know, Barry, basically is we we've seen Cheeseman um, generally get on the front foot and 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 be aggressive, but against Scott Fitzgerald, we saw a a, a kind of a, another. Another side to him. What about Metcalf? Can he do it the one way, or or could he do it a variety of ways?
3: I'm sorry, because you sort of brought up Metcalf. Can he do it a variety of ways? Yeah, you are. Yeah, I I think he can. I think you know he's the more he, he's used more of his. He's got better. I think got better footwork, better legs than Cheeseman, and so he boxes more. Because he looks so much like his dad, you tend to think he's going to box the same way as Shane Neary and go right at you. I think he got that, but he, he does box. He does box quite well. And I think so, you know, I think that's what he'll need to do. And, and if he does that, that will make Cheeseman be the aggressor. Though I think Cheeseman's, you know, Cheeseman's tried to box more. I think certainly after the Garcia fight where he where you no know, walking forward the straight lines sort of made him, you know, question himself if many things about the way he was going throughout his career. But he always got that like a tough it out in his back pocket. And that's usually how he ends up having to do it anyway. But at least he tried to box. And But I, I don't know if if, if him trying to box Metcalf would be the right choice in this in this scenario. I think he has to drag him into a war. Now, Metcalf likes, can have a war with it as well. He's a tough guy, but I'm not sure if he's as tough as Cheeseman. Uh, but then the uneven Cheeseman is young. And you know, we all say this, you know, all those wars, they must take something out of you. I, I don't mean dramatically. But and, and it he might and it might be fine because you do learn from fights, even hard fights. But almost, can you keep going? You know, jumping in against the wall all the time before in the end, it's not quite there.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios.
2: Matt, that, that's something. We were talking about the other day is that you look at Cheeseman's last four fights. He had that 12 round shellacking off Garcia, really. And then he had a draw with Kieran Conway. So another distance fight, which which, which was tough, tough fight. Uh, Distance fight against Scott Fitzgerald, same thing, hard fight. And then a really hard fight against against Sam Eggington. It's kind of, it sounds like a, a crazy thing to say, as Barry said, given that he's 25 now, I think. But is he already kind of on that cusp of, is he seasoned or a bit shop-worn? It's, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to say.
1: Yeah, and it, it, sometimes that can be a very fine line, the difference in, in the, those two. Um, look, it's a, it's another hard fight, isn't it? Like, whatever happens, this is going to be a hard fight, because I, I don't see him blasting Metcalf out of there. Funnily enough, listening to Barry talk there, I mean, and Barry's seen more of Metcalf than I have, but what I have seen of Metcalf, I was going to say, I think Metcalf is the one that's going to try and make a war out of it and he'll try and drag Cheeseman in. And actually, I think that it would be a mistake for Cheeseman to stand and fight with Metcalf because I I don't know this for a fact, but it's only what my gut feeling. But I thought that oh, Metcalf's, like, his intensity, I think he's fresher when it comes to the battle. And I think if it goes, like, if it's, you know, gong-ho ding-dong right from the first round, I don't know if Cheeseman can go there again, you know, after having so many back-to-back hard fights. Does it go to the well again? I don't know. I would have thought that Cheeseman would look to come out or should come out and box the first six rounds like he did against Fitzgerald. Try and take something out. Try and take the sting out of Metcalf before you stand and trade. I think inevitably, at some point, that's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? But I think if Cheeseman can try and bag a few of the early rounds without exerting too much energy or too much, you know, wear and tear. If he can soften Metcalf up behind the jab, because he can't box cheese when he proved that against Fitzgerald, he showed he can do it and he can move, th- you you know, bucks on the outside, you know, keep offsetting, fainting, and, 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 and changing angles. If he could do that, bag a few rounds and, and soften Metcalf up, I think that would be sensible. From what I've seen of Metcalf, uh, you know, I've seen him training the gym a few times and everything was, you know, Intense. It was hundred mile an hour. He was loading up on shots, and you know, to do that for twelve rounds, it, it's it's hard going. But um, you know, it, it, but it's interesting because Barry obviously has seen more of him, and he and he sees it the other way. So, you know, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. But I think whatever right. happens, this is going to probably, you know, outside of the main event, this is the fight I'm looking most forward to.
3: I've sort of seen as like, sort of the results of the fight ending up the same sort of way there. That after a sort of four or five rounds, one of them certainly—I think they are both going to try to be quite smart. But I just think because of the movement that he got, better legs, and and I think he got faster reflexes, and he's a little bit fresher. Of course, you know he's seven years older. That Cheeseman will will make if Cheeseman misses a few times, he'll just go oh—and revert back to type like you always do. But He's trying to box more now because—and I think they've realised you no know, for longevity, it'd be a little bit smarter, and and that's right. And he's looking. A little bit better for doing that. But I think ultimately, I think he'll be the one who, who, who pulls the trigger first. Because again, like you said, the output of, of Metcalf, but he can do it on the move. And I don't mean on the move like I was, dancing or like, you know, running away. But he, he's always on the, on the bumps and the steps and you can get it on a target really quick. And I think that might make Cheeseman go for it. But I, I think you're right. After four, five, six, three, whatever it is, they're, they're, there's going to be a point there. That that fight just explodes, and then the rest of the fight is just a war of attrition.
2: Yeah, as soon as as soon as it was proposed by the board, and and Matrim and Queensbury got together and, and made it happen, and Matrim won the first bids for that one. Obviously, uh, it just been looking forward to it. Just been looking forward to it. There's another one of them coming up before too long. Actually, Denzel Bentley against Felix Cash, other way yeah. around with that one because Queensbury have won the bids for that. But it's it's just there's you know there's no good reason why these fights can't can't happen if, while you know that... what
1: andy if it does come a war of attrition quite quickly I, I think i'd favor Metcalf just because he's fresher you know when it when it comes down to a, a blood and good absolute emptying the tank going to the well there's a lot to be said for having a bit of freshness it's good to have been there and be you know be battle hardened and toughened and hardened to it but when you've gone there four or five fights back to back back to back you know i don't know I, I'd, I'd favor Metcalf if it ends up like going like that
3: the, the only solace for cheese for, winning in that scenario is, and you know, you don't know what you're going to react until you're in that scenario, whatever it is, whether you, when you've been really hurt or put down or, you know, forced in wrong nine when you're blown out your backside and, you, and you've got, you know, you think, oh, I even if you're winning, you know, you've been in that scenario or so have I. And somebody pushes you through. But some fighters can push through, whether it's their desire, mentally, physically, whatever it is. And so I'm sure Metcalf will, can... But I guess Cheeseman. Well, he sort of said the day of the press conference, he hasn't been there yet. So he sort of, not questioning his heart, but he's saying he doesn't know if he can do it. But I know I can do it. So, but as you say, Matt, I think I agree that he knows he can do it. But one day he can go to do it, and it won't be there. And that's where where the where the problem is. But again, all the unknowns. As Metcalf got the fire, can he dig deep? Because he hasn't been seen yet. And could Cheeseman still dig deep because he's done it so many times? That's it. That, that's 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 the perfect summary, really. That that's... I literally just took took I literally just took my and made it my own, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is what this this is what that's the
2: job. I, just, I try and explain this to people sometimes. You know, you've got to be a chameleon. You know, you need a bone collector, a magpie. You just gotta you've gotta collect all these things, it for a rainy day, and then when it's when it's at its optimum, um when it's in its peak usefulness, wheel it out. Um and uh, yes, by all means put your own stamp all over it. Um Another fight that, I, uh, that I'm that i looking forward to that I like is, is Chris Congo against Michael McKinson. And that might not have caught too many people's eye. But the reason I like it is because it's kind of almost fate, if you like, that these two ended up fighting each other. Because not that long ago, they were calling everybody out, everybody they could think of, because they were both in the same boat. They both felt that they were good but avoided fighters because they really didn't bring very much to the table. We've seen Congo a fair bit. Uh, Barry, you'll have seen McKinson more than than we have. Uh, And there was, there was something in that for the pair of them. Then Chris Congo got signed by Dillian White and we saw him in fight camp. And then this fight got made. And you would imagine that this will be a, a technical fight. You would imagine that that's the way that, that this one will, will go. But it is good to see McKinson get get an outing on on a really big card because you look at the the ranking he's got with the WBO and you look at the nineteen fights and nineteen wins. He, I
3: think he deserves it. Yeah, I, I think. My, my, to watch because of his his style, but he's exceptional so. I would say. He's like Joe, he doesn't box like Joe Kazagi. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Joe Karzaghi, but he's like Joe in his early career, not as, in his early, some of his title reigns. He's not always really good to watch, but he's really hard to beat. And that's, that's his strength, that he's so slippery and tricky that he gives everyone a problem. He's caused himself the problem. And that's the reason why he gives, he can give everyone a problem because of his style. He's a softball. You know, he's, He moves in unorthodox angles. He sort of bends over and and, and pivots on the front foot. and He's very hard to hit. But also in Chris Congo, you've got someone who... This this is the one where it won't be the fight of the night, but it's 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 a really hard one to pick a winner, I feel.
1: Yeah, I think the same. I mean, I've seen uh Chris Congo a couple of times, McKinson only seen clips, but um I think I think I don't know if he's gonna be a fight of the year candidate, but I think it's gonna be a hard fought, tricky kind of boxing match.
3: Yeah, I think I think definitely. I think you no know, it's Congo at the faster pace. Just be happy with, of course. And he won't be on the jab. McKinson will take that jab away and he'll land. And, and I think with McKinson, he, he's not a big hitter, but he hits enough for you to, to feel it. Just sometimes he just doesn't know when to hold his feet in the right. So he's still, even though he's had 19 fights. He's still in that learning stage where he's just got to get the balance right between holding the feet to land, but staying elusive enough to make a miss. I sort of fancy McKinson. And I, I, I like Congo. and he deserves his chance. And might you said, Matt, um, and at the start, you know, the two kids were begging for a big fight, but this, and this is their opportunity now, but just as a, Unfortunately, it's against each other. Two kids; they haven't got the big name they want, but the big name will be next. And so, I, yeah, I but I do think the kids will might be just tricky enough to to get over the line in, in in an interesting fight, but not as Matt said, not a not a fight of the year by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Yeah, most likely, most likely that that's the kind of thing that we that we will see. Sorry, we'll...
3: Again, again, I just said what Matt said, and my own. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Congo was good. Congo was good during fight camp against Luther Clay. Luther Clay is a completely different kind of fighter to McKinson. But what was good about, about Congo that night was that he'd said in the build up to the fight, look, I know that I, that maybe I need to be a bit better to watch. I've kind of learned that now uh, that this is, this is the pro game and, and um, you know, that matters. Uh, and he did that. He, he put his foot down when he felt he needed to. And he got, and he got the stoppage and he does seem to be bursting with confidence and he's been working with, with Josh Taylor. He, he's worked with Josh Taylor for about four or five years, but in the build up to this fight, he's been getting his Southall sparring, which is what he needs from Josh Taylor. So uh, so that's that's a pretty pretty good recommendation. Let's just skip on to the chief support, which is Fabio Wardley against Eric Molina. And what I'm dying to know, Barry, is what kind of shape does Molina look to be in?
3: He looks all right to be fair. No, for a heavyweight. It's like okay carried the away then. He's not cut, you know, you have got a six pack like I have. But i, I on, oh, sorry, I thought it was nineteen, I thought it was nineteen eighty-eight. Sorry. Um no he um, he's no, he looks in good shape, to be fair. He really does and and, and full of confidence, and so he should. He's he gotta be thinking this is a gift for him because he's boxed at a high level, like a really high level, and Wardley's had ten fights and no no amateur experience. He, even though he's seen Wardley, you must be thinking he's doing that against people who are no good. But the you know, Waldy, I like Waldy, I like his style. I think, you know, Lati was meant to be a test of, of, of sorts, but it turned out not to be a test. And asked, you have to give all credit to Wally for that. He took it away. I, but this is a bigger test because even though I've I, I got no doubt that he can put Molina um, on the back foot and he can put him up against the ropes, but you can't stand in front. molina takes this fight for molina this is not a, a this is not a fight that he's gonna think you know he's full of confidence but it's a fight that gets his name back in the conversation of other fights so you know he he looks trim and he looks he looks in addition and he looks full of confidence but Wally's a lovely talker so You has got all good looking kids we've got a lovely style nice fast pants feet foot, very good footwork but he hasn't had he hasn't been caught he hasn't been dragged into a war yet he hasn't been hit with anything really note. So there's those question marks that are still around him.
2: Matt, what's really interesting about this is that this is one of those fights where nobody's saying this week, or I've not really heard too many people say this week, anyone actually, that this is definitely too much too soon for Fabio. Nobody's saying that, despite the fact that when you look at their, their CVs, there's this absolute gaping chasm in terms of experience and the level they've been at. And the reason they're not saying it is because we saw him in Saudi Arabia albeit against a very good fighter in Philip Horgovich and it didn't last very long and quite frankly he didn't look all that interested and he hasn't boxed since so at the minute people regard this as being a, a good a really clever piece of matchmaking but you can guarantee if Fabio Wardley gets beat by Eric Molina all of a sudden this will be a terrible piece of matchmaking <laughs> and, and 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 he was always going to be far too experienced and what were they thinking
1: so he's a former world champion and he's absolutely way too experienced you know at his best for someone like Fabio Wardley who's got you know no amateur background he's only had a you know 10 professional fights but he has you know he has done a lot of rounds of sparring with a lot of really good fighters he's been in camp with Usyk a couple of times you know he's with Hergovich he's sparred these guys Dillian so you know it, it's not like he's just beaten a few well matched guys he's you know he's he's been in the gym okay he's sparring But I'd imagine he's been sparring hard and they've been impressed by him. They've had him back, you know. And if we look at Molina, if we're honest, it comes down to ambition, hunger. Does does he really want it anymore? Didn't really look that way in Saturday. Yes, Hergovic, you know, he hits hard and he's a good fighter. So any ambition he did have, he knocked it out of him early doors. You know, can Fabio do the same? You know, I I think he probably can. I think Molina's... Ambition isn't there. The hunger's not there. I think he might have a go first couple of rounds. I you know, think, you know, this young pretender hasn't been anywhere near my level. But I think Wardley's better than what we think just because he came the white collar, just because he doesn't have the amateur pedigree. I think he has learned a lot and he has done a lot of rounds in sparring with some really good fighters. So, you know, and I think he's hungry and he's ambitious and he wants it. So even if Melina sticks it on him a bit, I don't think, I don't think Wardley will just fold. Do you know what I mean? I think he's a, uh, I think he's, he's i think he's a top and off kid and i think he'll uh he'll weather the early weather the early storm if there is one i think he'll just he'll be too fresh too hungry too fast and
2: yeah
1: i, I fancy wardley to get the job done
2: so there's another interesting heavyweight fight which i can't I mean maybe Barry you've got some some Intel I can't just can't quite work out how this has happened this fight between Nick Webb and Eric Pfeiffer uh and I'm not sort of disparaging the fight in that regard Webb's proven at a certain level he had the defeat against David Allen then another one against kamil Sokolovsky it was difficult to see where he'd go from there but then after taking a year out one one ultimate boxer Eric Pfeiffer is a is a is a two-time Olympian um two-time World Championship bronze medalist. Uh, I saw his last fight actually. I, I was I was over there um, in Germany, what November two thousand and nineteen, and saw and, and saw that when he won the WBO European. I, I, I have absolutely no idea how these two have ended up in in the ring together. Um, but this is a tall order for Nick Webb, I would say.
3: It seems that way, but it's also, It's uh, but for, for Nick Webb, it's a case of if he doesn't win, and you wouldn't put much money on it to be honest. If he doesn't win, then this is his role unless he retires because he's just going to be the guy who a prospect comes over a prospect at like nine and oh five and 0, 10 No, he he's the guy that he that that they fight that, and that's going to be the and that's how he's going to make his living. So he he knows for him this is the win that he needs. It's funny see because Nick like when he got stopped by Dave Allen, he was winning the fight of course, and he got caught with with a good shot, and no the the Solowski or whatever his name is, that fella. Yeah, he um, Matt never said it first, I can't say. So that, that fella, you know, again, he, even though he's, he's a journeyman and a such, he can still bang a bit. And I think, you know, from the Allen fight, his confidence was shot, and then they had to rebuild. to so that, that ultimate boxer, which is not, you know, great quality, but it's still an interesting, and, a, and, a, and a, it's on a big platform. So it gives you a bit of a step up. And I think he goes confidence back. Do you know it. He was in one of the best amateur fights I've seen, Nick Webb. He boxed um, Joe Joyce in Feltham Leisure Centre, Feltham Leisure Centre in in Southwest London, in the Northwest Divs, like the quarterfinals or something. And they yeah. went toe to toe for three rounds. It's the stuff of legend. It's bad. a stuff
2: of it's a stuff of legend that fight, isn't it? I saw John denon tweeting about saying, it
3: the other day. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was just like because he and my like, Nick Webb was massively out of shape. You know, he was fat. He was and he, he'll know that he was fat and Joe Joyce was this man. And you thought, oh this is this is gonna last as long as I like, the scrap. And then it was just unbelievable. He, Joe Joyce was hit. But when Nick, I thought the Nick. I, I thought he'd be had to hurt. But we'll see. But yeah, you got to be five because he's looked good. You you've got that pedigree as an amateur. He hasn't looked sensational as a pro, but he's looked solid. And, he's, and he keeps his shape. Might just be enough.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one, certainly. Um, so let, let's just finish off with a, with a with a good old hat and chat because there is another fight on, on Facebook. Um, Kane Baker up against Yusuf Kamari. Yusuf is a new addition to T White and that that's a good fight actually because they both operated at a similar kind of level. Uh, Kamari's drawn for an English title, Kane Baker has lost but put up a good display for an English title and 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 that should be that should be a good uh, a good opener. Uh, that's on on the on the Facebook coverage. Campbell Hatton makes his professional debut trained by Uncle Matthew and managed by his dad Ricky uh, and just seeing the kind of pieces of footage over the last few days of the Hattons um, in situ uh, around fight week. Uh, Matt Trimmer put out this great little um, doc called Blue Moon Rising, which which kind of gets gets the hair standing up on the back of your neck when 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 you're watching some of it. And it's I mean, firstly firstly it makes you feel really fucking old because you know we all, we all remember Ricky when he was when he was at his at his at his peak, um, and for Campbell to be Twenty years old uh, already. Although Ricky's a granddad now, because Campbell had a kid when he was when he was seventeen a couple of years ago, Ricky was a granddad at the age of thirty nine. Um, so it's great fun, and the build-up's been been entertaining. He's in with a fighter who's zero and ten, so they're not taking any chances with him. It's just the start of what should be a fun journey and hopefully a rewarding one for for Hatton Junior. We've got no idea how good he might be as you generally haven't at this stage of a career, but maybe particularly in his case, because, I mean, we just haven't seen him.
1: No, and I think, I mean, I I remember, God, it it does make me feel old because I remember remember, uh, Campbell when he was a child coming into the gym in Manchester, Billy Graham's, and um, yeah, God, it's just mad where those years have gone. But I think with Campbell Hatton, we could see something like, you know, I remember Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. turning pro. And early doors, he didn't really, you know. There was big expectations. Obviously, people are always going to compare him to his old man. Who, you know, he, Julio Cesar Chavez, maybe the best Mexican fighter ever, is in that conversation. You know, and you know, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. had this spotlight on him. But he, you know, he he came along slowly to start with. But he did end up developing into a good fighter. Okay, not not the fighter of his old man, and and, and obviously. You know he's he's had a lot of stick in the, these last few years, he's just blown up in weight, hasn't lived the life and, and all the rest of it. But he had some good performances, you know. He beat Andy Lee, you know what I mean. Andy Lee's a top, top fighter, Chavez beat him. Um, he had some other good wins as well. You know, listen, he, he lost to Sergio Martinez and lost 11 and a half of those rounds. But the last, <laughs> the last half, the last minute of that fight, and I boxed on the card and knocked out Alcine on the undercard of that. and. So I was—I literally just got ringside for that fight, and Julio. I mean, sorry, uh, Sergio had put on an absolute boxing masterclass, but the last minute of that, last thirty seconds, last minute of that last round was probably the most excited I've ever. You know, you know, the, in terms of atmosphere, the anticipation. I was in the Thomas and Mac. and when I say every single person was on their feet for the last thirty seconds of that fight. Every single person was on their feet. It was like, it's like you're watching a car crash. It's about to happen. He's going to get done. He's going to get done. He's just boxed, Unbelievable for 11 and a half rounds. And he's going to get done. And, you know, he never, he stayed in. But I think that was the end of Sergio. But, you know, Campbell Hatton, he's going to, he's going to, He's got to find his own feet. You know what I mean? He's got big, you know, his old man there was a, what a fighter. But Ricky had a, Ricky was a fantastic amateur. Yeah, he turned pro young, but he was senior ABA champion at 18. He'd won every title you could win as a junior. He'd boxed for young England schoolboys. He'd box senior for England. So, you know what I mean? He was, he was experienced. He'd been tra- training with the pros since he was 16 anyway. So he was, he was ahead of himself. You know, he was, he was years ahead of himself when he did turn pro. He was, he was ready. And he was made for the pro game. I don't know where where Campbell is in that sense, but I think you know the little clips I've seen, he's probably more suited to the pros than the amateurs. But I think it'll be you know a much slower building job than what it was with Ricky.
2: The spotlight on in Barry is is what it was always going to be. We've seen it in recent years with with Eubank Junior, and um, we've seen it with with Connor Connor Ben. But it's probably even more intense. for for Campbell Hatton. Just because Ricky is more recent and and legends like Ben and Eubank are, that that proximity uh, and and Hatton being, it's just a massive, massive name in the boxing world.
0: Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on lives in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan. New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts. One Star Recruits.
3: They have been playing it down over here. No, Ricky has certainly, and rightly so. He realizes that it's pressure enough having the hat and name, but people constantly talking about it is only gonna put more pressure on Campbell and make him feel the pressure. So he's trying to do what a good manager would do, which is and also what a good father would do and take that pressure away. But it's still gonna be there. And and not so much the pressure of having to perform, it's it's well, it is to perform, really it's Whatever you do, you're going to be compared to Ricky and not not Ricky when he turned pro, the Ricky at his peak. That's the issue. They're going to go, not as good as your dad. And you're going to go, well, you never seen my dad's for the professional debut. You don't know how good he was back at uh, the very beginning. So you know, I think it's that. But he he, he sounds like a real. Le- but remember, he's, this is a rich kid. We forget this. He born in the wealth. He, he, had, he never wanted for anything a day in his life. But he, he doesn't act, sound, or, or feel like that so and that's good i mean it's, it's good it looks like you got a hunger like the hunger for the, us matthew you know, most of us was you know you, there was nothing else to do or you want to get out of poverty or whatever it was but for him you know the world was relatively his oyster because his dad couldn't have put him anywhere with, with with the finances that he has but you've chosen the sport and 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 I'm you know, talking, uh, it's a good thing that Matthew's, I like that Matthew's in his corner, not Ricky, because that would be an added pressure even more so, the fact that, that Matt's taking the lead. And Matt's probably got a, a better overall knowledge of boxing because he, he was a, a good boxer, Matthew, a very good boxer. He had the hat and curse the other way. He was overlooked because his brother was so good. You know, so he sort of had to do a lot of his work in the shadows in, in many ways. But he, he sort of, his all-round game was... was was home quite well. I think Matthew was massively underrated. So I think the fact that he boxes more will help. Will help Campbell. It's, it's going to be an interesting Like Connor's Ben's journey, it's going to be really interesting. And if he can get to the, the level that Connor's at now, or, be, or certainly beyond that, it'll it'll be quite phenomenal. I think yeah. I think Ricky's like I don't follow too many other sports. Basketball, but no one plays basketball in this country, really. But except for myself, who played was in the World squad when I was thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know uh, that. Major miz- miz- basketball it was called. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> what well, well, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. And the basketball was all well, this big; it was ridiculous. But anyway, um, Ricky might be the very last working class hero we've had in sports. I, I sort of feel that way because you know now the kids they turn pro, but they go from you know they go from these academies. You don't see them footballers. They're in the cad. They, they're they're taking a twelve. You don't see them again. they become stars of, you know, they're like untouchable people. But boxing is very community-based. And so, but because most of the kids who are making it now are from that GB squad, they haven't had that interaction with their community as, say, we had. Me, Matthew, and, and certainly Ricky took a community and took it around the world with him. And then that community took the community from outside and then it became a national treasure because of that and he might be the last one who's done that i think from 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 that platform see joshua you know turn pro and everyone loves joshua and fury fury maybe but in, in a different way but yeah i think Hatton was a bit unique and maybe the last one we've had
2: yeah i, I do I, I think it's massively important that fighters make it who who don't have that that gb background or and who don't sign with a massive promoter off the bat and manage to somehow come through josh warrington's done the. Similar thing, isn't he? And you
3: yeah, know sorry, sorry, yeah. But not at the scale, even though Josh is a great fighter, a fantastic fighter, know, and you know, and but he didn't get there he hasn't quite leads, he's a he's a god. And and only he'll sell out a, he can sell at the stadium because see, what am I talking about? But Ricky was different. It was different. And you must know, like, oh, well, this Matthew, Matthew should talk about this because what do I know? I was I was well, actually, I probably I'm better to speak about it than Matthew, but Matthew was in it. Where I'm talking from outside, from Cardiff, I've retired for years. And but even I was like, "Wow, oh, this is Ricky Hatton!" You know, just the atmosphere and and, and just watching on telly, and you know, it was just and and that that Floyd Mayweather thing. I was I was doing courses in school for kids who were who were trouble kids in school, misbehaved kids in school at the time, and we were all singing. There's only one Ricky Hatton. We did an assembly, a boxing display in assembly, and it was Christmas time, just before Christmas, wasn't it? And they all they all started singing. There's only one Ricky Hatton. I, I got I got a whole year sixty suspended. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean they are amazing days. They were absolutely amazing days, and we we did a we did a, a real close look at that fight with with Mike Costello, uh, mm-hmm. the Hatton Mayweather fight, and, and and Barry's right, Matt, you were but, in the middle of it, but uh, it it was it was phenomenal. I mean, but, people use that word a lot, but it was phenomenal. I'm just going
3: to put my trousers on, okay? So
2: <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's dinner time, <laughs> but,
1: do you? That whole period of time, you know, when I turned pro, Ricky Hatton was flying. And, you know, he was four years older than me. So he was someone that I'd followed even in the Amazon. I remember seeing him in the junior ABA semifinals in York Hall. And everyone was talking about him that day. I'd never seen him box. He was a standout guy who stopped someone in the first round. Then we seen him in the junior ABA final. Same thing, stopped the guy in the first round. So when he turned, when he won the ABAs, when he turned pro, I was already very much following Ricky Hatton as a fan, do you know what I mean? So when I went up to Manchester then, you know, I I turned pro, I was with Frank Warren, I boxed on lots of his undercards, you know, became a gym mate, sparring partner, drinking partner, was, you know, in his corner when he fought Floyd Mayweather and Castillo, was in the house with them. So, you know, became great friends. And that whole period for me, and I think that whole period for everyone in British boxing at that time, it it was a special time. You know, he, he had this unbelievable, Fan base. He was he had a, he had a great personality. Do you know what I mean? He was like he was very very funny, very witty, very personable, and an and an unbelievably exciting style to watch. And you know he fought that he fought some great fighters. You know, Hall of Famers, Costa Sue, Floyd Mayweather. You know, Manny Pacquiao. You know, Castillo, Malanage. You know, he really had a phenomenal career, and he he, he built he brought an atmosphere. That I don't know, I I, we I don't think we've seen it since. Even though Joshua was banging out Wembley Stadium, I think it was a different atmosphere, the Hatton fights.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It, it was different. And, and I do think that he'll become more and more of a British boxing treasure as he gets older and his career becomes a bit further removed because he was a very, very good
3: fighter. And... Sorry, Andy. Sorry to interrupt you. Has my head got brown as we've been talking? It looks like it might have done, yeah. I think yeah, it really...
2: must have had the sun on.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, I don't sell any. amazing. look at this. Look. I'm like a I'm like a walking miracle.
2: Well, for people listening to the audio version of this, Barry's head. <laughs> Barry's had at the start of the uh, of the podcast, due to there being a lack of sun cream in Gibraltar, as he described, was was kind of glowing red, um, radioactive looking, and now it's this kind of like noble mahogany color. Uh, he's just put on his strides, just pulled on his trousers to a head down. That's, that's the Arab <laughs> That's
1: the Arab thing, You see. Come I know Big Barry
2: was one from tan. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's off. He's off. we need to let him go <laughs> because it's dinner time. It's dinner time on the super yacht that he's on, and uh, there's some kind of themed banquet planned for them this evening. I believe I'm not quite sure what the what the theme is. Well, what are you
3: doing tonight? It's, actually, it's one of those. It's a weird, even though it's COVID, it's COVID restricted, so we have to do it from social distancing. But they have um, they 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 put the foot, It's like a self service thing. It's fantastic. But all the foods on naked women. It's the we it's just crazy. So you have to like wear a mask and gloves. But I I was trying to eat the food off this girl's chest, but the uh, like the mask was getting in the way, so I, I got chucked out. It was it was fairly complicated. I'm being an absolute idiot because I'm so hungry now that I don't drink, see, but when I'm hungry, it's as if I were drunk. So <laughs> to say Go I want to try and get work in the future somewhere somewhere. So <laughs> Can can we? I, I love you guys but let's can we stop end oh. yeah 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 let's <laughs> stop let's stop
2: let's stop let's stop let's let you go off and get some food um so thanks everybody for tuning in thanks for listening and watching this week it's been a good week it's been it's been fun looking ahead to these fights and, and we'll find out what happens soon enough if uh you're listening on itunes and you can get up there and give us a, a rate and a review that would be that would be handy uh, and youtube wise if you can subscribe that, that that that's always good for us too and we will be back on sunday at some point myself and matt with, with a look back at, at the fights um just to cast our eye back over what did eventually happen so take care everybody we'll see you again soon Boys,
0: I'm right, babe, not that back in town nah said, Jenny Diver, whoa, sookie tawdry, look out to Miss Lottie Linger, and old Lucy Brown. Yes, that line falls on the right, babe, not that Maggie bagging.